Hey, welcome everybody to Sunday Night Live. And yeah, I, I, I know you guys already know this. Um, we're going to have a great night tonight doing a prophecy update with my good friend John Holler. He's right here with me. So, uh, John, this is great. Good to be here in live in studio. Live in studio. So we is, know if the prob audio problems pop up, it's both of us are going off the air. Not, <laughs> we're not relying on the yes. relying on the internet, at least for right here. Yeah, it should be good. But we know the devil's always in the details. Hey, so we have a lot to talk about. We had a great conference in San Marcos. It uh, was uh, incredibly encouraging and uh, great talks. Uh, I was speaking with Scott Townsend this morning. We need to talk about some more things about that after we're done. But uh, great. We had a good conversation this morning in the hotel before we left. Oh, I bet. I, I had to get back for church this sure. morning. And um, I thoroughly enjoyed the messages. And more than any other conference I've been to, just sitting there listening. And uh, it was, I thought it was great. Yeah. And, uh, and yours is fantastic. And you didn't get to finish like anything. I never finish. No, you know, neither do I. Okay, so I didn't, <laughs> never I, I barely got started, and all my good stuff was at the end, which I never got to. Me too. So this morning I'm at church, I have four pages of notes, I didn't get through my first page. It's typical, because I, <laughs> I had to quit. But I'm looking forward, I, I really thought it was like, the messages just were outstanding. And then you and I are both going to be in Texas. This is cool, because... It's like two conferences, two completely different sets of speakers. Even you and I will have different messages. Right. And I'm looking, going, this is, it's exciting. It's like tons of messages, tons of speakers, two conferences. I'm looking forward to preparing a talk or two that I'm not going to finish in <laughs> Texas, you know. <laughs> I, I guarantee you I'll have one I won't finish again. Right. <laughs> so so the, it, it, was, yeah. it was a fantastic conference. I mean, people from all over, very encouraging to all of the speakers, thank you for coming. Um, and just people had a lot of questions uh, off the, yeah, off the off the stage. You know, not in in right. conversations in private. It was just uh, it was really fantastic. That's really cool. It's good to know people are thinking, and it's also really neat to see. You know what the the church, so much of the church has gone woke, and yet you know there's this dynamic from people who are genuine believers. They're like, you can see this fire and this hunger, and it's, it's pretty exciting to see when you're yeah. with, with that. No, it was, it, and it was affirming, you know, because, you know, I had talked about a certain pastor in Georgia, uh, in my, and I think on the panel, and I've uh, talked about him a lot over the years, and there was a couple guys there, yeah, we used to go to that church, and everything you say is true. Wow, yeah, I've mentioned that pastor um, his initials are Andy Stanley. I've mentioned him a yeah. few times here before, and uh, it's just, yeah, something else. We refer to him as low-hanging fruit on the apostasy yeah, tree. No kidding. No kidding. Okay, so I got some questions for sure. you, because we're going to pick up kind of where you left off, because even though you were on a panel, plus you got to speak, didn't get to finish. All right, and people are going to have questions. A lot of things are going on with Israel. Um, let's, uh, let's start here with Israel. Okay. I'm going to ask you this coming peace plan? So there are a lot of discussions about this peace plan, and, and a lot of us think that this covenant that's referenced in Daniel 9 uh, is something, it, it could involve a peace plan or some kind of arrangement for Israel to get back to the Temple Mount. So there's just been a, a 
few things that have taken place over the last year, and I haven't heard that many people talk about it. So maybe I'm completely out in left field. But about a year ago, it was early June 2022, uh, articles appeared in two different publications, Al Arabia and the Wall Street Journal, which you don't think of as, okay, well, these are going to be talking about the same thing. So in Al Arabia, and this was a, a guy, and you know that before it goes in Al Arabia, it's got the approval of the Saudi family. <clears throat> and by the way, remember, the Saudi family is the richest family on planet Earth. I saw a video of the richest families. You know, you've got the Waltons with all their billions and everything. And then you've got, of course, you've got the Rothschild banking family. And you got, an, I think there's another family that's second, but the Saudis, they're probably almost, their their combined wealth is almost, um, the difference between their wealth and the next one is almost the diff, you know, the whole wealth that this second rank family has. Wow, that's huge. Yeah, and you know, and so you know, the Crown Prince uh, Mohammed bin Salman, and they're big in the in the uh, these big conferences. They have this financial investment initiative, inst- final something FII Institute that they have, and it's like it's like their version of the World Economic Forum. There are four of these, by the way. I I'm, know I'm already down a rabbit trail. But there are four of these big economic conferences. You've got the World Economic Forum. We all know about that. We've got the World Government Summit in, in Dubai. And then we have the FII Institute in Saudi Arabia. And then we have the St. Petersburg International Economic Forum, SPIF, in St. Petersburg, Russia. And they all sort of have common themes. And one of the things that the Saudis have been pushing is this ESG DEI thing. And part of the reason that they push it, environmental, social governance, the environmental part, is because when these crazy Western countries Mm -hmm. adopt all these crazy environmental regulations, it seems to help the price of oil go up. And they have a lot of oil. Yeah, because they're not, uh, Saudis aren't going to play by these rules. Right, right. And they're going to take advantage of it. And Russia's big on it, too, through the SPIF. They're big on pushing this because I think I think it's a huge propaganda psyop that the West has just fallen for on climate change and everything. I mean, I don't I don't deny that it seems to be hotter right now. But, you know, we well, used to have glaciers in Ohio that were a mile thick. Well, I, I before look at cars it. came on the scene. <laughs> so, well, I look at it. I mean, I'm in the desert. I expect it to be hot right now. Right. <laughs> so I, 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 so, but when I look at these things, we have the DEI, we have the ESGs, we have all of these different things coming. We have a military that's going woke. You're, you're causing me to go on rabbit trails and ask more questions. Right now. Because I, I thought of one this morning. I said, I got to ask John that. So remind me to come back to this with the U.S. military. Well, I told you this at the conference that what we need to do is we just need to, like, in Texas, maybe we need to have, like, an all-night struggle you session in the Maybe hotel. we can do that. We can do a live stream in Texas right from there, you and I. And, and all the speakers. And, we'll just and, talk oh, all no, night long. If we have all the speakers, well, we're now. And we'll have all these rabbit trails, <laughs> which I saw the rabbit fire uh, evidence on the way down here uh, from, from the Inland Empire. So anyway, so the Saudis put all this thing together. So... I don't think this thing gets into Al Arabiya without the approval of the yeah. Saudi royal family, particularly the crown prince. Now, the crown prince is not going to go all the way that I think he wants to go until his father dies because of the tribal nature of the culture until, that, until King um, 
Salman goes away, Mohammed bin Salman is not going to do anything that's contrary to his father. But just like all the things that we see that are happening here in the end times, Scott Townsend talked about it, I talked about it, there's this infrastructure being put in place. So I'm just suggesting, I don't know that this is anything. I'm just saying that this suddenly appeared within two, within 24 hours in two papers half a world apart. So that what it is, it's called the Hashemite Kingdom of Palestine. And when there was the original division of the land, the, the one that the world agreed on was the San Marcos Agreement that occurred in 1920 or 20. 1920. San Marcos? San, Mar San, San Remo. Remo. San, San Remo. Remo. I'm sorry. We were at San Marcos. Yes, we were. <laughs> sorry. Uh, so San Remo. And it, it talked about a two-state solution. It talked about, you know, Transjordan mm -hmm. and is, at least within a few years, it was two, Jordan yeah. and Israel. Jordan west, or Israel west of the Jordan River, that's why they call it the West Bank, and Jordan east. And Jordan today is about 80% Palestinian. In fact, the wife of King Abdullah II is Palestinian. Uh, and so I think the crown prince's mother is a Palestinian, the crown prince of Jordan. So that would be the true, that would be a true two-state plan. And it, it's interesting, the Trump plan that came out, we talked about that and everybody said, well, we don't worry about it because it was never go, going to go anywhere. Then don't bring it up. And you know from talking to Bill, I think you just had him on the show last week, and he said that that plan was released in the morning, and that afternoon, literally all hell broke loose on yeah. Charlie Vector 019er at the White House. And I think there's a connection because you just don't divide up the land, yeah. even though you think it's a good idea. But if you look at the, the components of the Trump plan, and what's proposed in this Hashemite Kingdom of Palestine, the only thing that you need to add to the Trump plan is Jordan being in control of these areas that would be given over to the Palestinians. And so that plan really is a two-state plan. It's Jordan expanded west of the, with some corridors mm -hmm. to the, what we call the West Bank. Yeah, Samaria, Judea. Right, yeah. but there would still, but there would be a Jewish settlement enclaves, and Israel would get control of the Jordan Valley. Israel will never give up control of the Jordan okay. Valley. So they would still, they'd still have Jewish communities there? The Jewish settlements would With, become part of Israel. Okay, okay. and then the okay, other gotcha. communities would become part of Jordan, this gotcha. Hashemite kingdom of Palestine. The Hashemite family mm -hmm. is the family that runs Jordan. In fact, they were given that by the British as kind of a consolation prize because the Saudis had booted, the Saudi tribal family had booted the Hashemite tribe out of Mecca and Medina. So isn't the Hashemite kingdom also via the Waqf ruling the, uh, running the Temple Mount? I mean, they're... Okay, yes, and that's the next point. Like, what? Do, okay, what are we going to do about the Temple Mount? There has also been released through channels from Saudi Arabia, I think with the approval of the Saudi family, particularly MBS, Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince, that says, we don't really have a theological claim to the Temple Mount at all. Now, there's a member of Knesset who came out and said, well, we ought to just divide the Temple Mount. And they're the, the point is they're talking about this now at this particular time with everything else that is going on in the world.
<coughs> so what 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 are they going to do? I mean, are they are they going to get rid of the Dome Rock? I'm just telling you, uh, I would highly recommend that people go to the Pulse of Israel. That's Avi Abelos website. I don't know if you know Avi. I met him in the old uh, in the Jewish quarter when I was walking around there when I was there in December. And he's a Jewish uh, Zionist lives I think he lives down around a frat where a lot of them live and uh, he uh, he's social media and he does all these videos. He had Mordecai Kadar uh, who I just I was like standing with my back to him and I was talking to someone I turned around I started talking to the person because the guy behind me had left. I didn't know who it was. I already didn't look. I said, yeah, you know, this Mordecai could argue. He, goes, he was just standing behind you. If you just, he's, he left for the evening though. So he is, he is the best Israeli Arab expert on Islam and Arabic tribal culture. And he was with Avi on the, on the Temple Mount just last week. And he was saying is they don't have any claim to this because the night journey of Muhammad happened down around Mecca Medina. That's where the farthest mosque was at the time. And through in various Saudi publications now, they have been releasing that theory. Now it drives the people yeah. crazy that control the Temple Mount and everything, but it's I've coming it everywhere. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's uh, a booklet that's from, I think it's 1930s. Uh, actually, 1924. 1924. Yeah, you can, whoops. You can get a, uh, you can get a copy of it. Um, yeah, I have a friend who has a copy of it. I have a copy of it. It's yeah. a, it's republished. I think Randall Price might sell it on mm -hmm. his, uh, whatever I can't remember the World of the Bible website, and it it and it says this is the site of Solomon's Temple. By the way, can I, I rabbit trail? If you ever go to Liberty, go to the museum. The biblical museum and the library there. It's essentially Randall Price's, who we know, both yeah. know, and and love, and he's just tremendous archaeologist. It's his collection. So we were there. I spoke at Liberty Law School, and I said, "Hey, Randall, I'm going to speak." So he came over, and we spent like the whole day with he and Bev after I spoke. I guess I didn't offend him anything too badly or anything. <laughs> and he took us on a personal tour for like two, three hours of that thing. But there's a he has a white piece of marble. And he goes, he, first of all, he showed me this coin. He said, There's only, that's the only coin like this in the world. I don't even know what it's worth, but it's pretty valuable. And it comes from one of the eras there of, of around the Second Temple period. But he has this white marble, not white marble, white limestone carved. So let me tell you the story about that. I was walking out. I was going to go out and walk through the Muslim cemetery along the eastern wall there above the Kidron Valley. And when the Romans destroyed the temple, they pushed all the debris to the east towards the Mount of Olives. But they can't dig there because it's a Muslim cemetery. I mean, it would cause a war oh, yeah, right I, now. Yeah. So, and, I, and the picture of it is in the Rose Guide to the Temple. So I think I'm okay saying this. So don't anybody talk about it. <laughs> but uh, so I'm only telling one person. <laughs> but he said he was out there and he wanted to go out to walk around. He always carries a little bag with him in case he finds something. Because these archaeologists, they're like the guys who can see a four-leaf clover in a field of clover. Yeah. <laughs> they're like savants. Yeah. <laughs> and Joel Craver's the same way. So he goes out there. He wants to walk and they won't let him go out there through the, the gate there um, next to the Temple Mount. They said, you can't go out. It's closed. He goes, I go out there all the, you know. Then all of a sudden he sees a you know, 
funeral procession, guys carrying a body through the Arab quarter, winding yeah. down, and there, you know, there's about 15 or 20 of them. So he joins in the funeral That's procession. That's great. <laughs> Smart guy. <laughs> and he goes out there and he waits. They have the ceremony and everything. And then everybody leaves except two guys and they start digging the grave. And while they're digging the grave, they hit this rock and they threw it aside. So he stands oh, wow. there and waits until they go on a smoke break. And he goes and picks up the rock. Oh, man. Takes it to somebody <laughs> that knows. And they said, we believe that that's the only part of the Second Temple that anyone has ever discovered. Wow. But you keep it. So you can go to, um, to Liberty yeah. there at Liberty University in their library, the university library, and you can okay. see that. And it's a fascinating. Other than that, it's a fascinating collection. It's like a semester or two of biblical archaeology. So I, I want to get back to study peace plan in a minute. Okay. Because now you got me on another rabbit trail. Right. So I look at this Randall Price, this this discovery. That's really right. pretty cool. And so at the conference, you were talking about the uh, pilgrim road, the processional road. You and I have had that conversation before. The pilgrimage I don't road know from if, the pool Cylon yeah, up to the Temple Mount. And you said something that I totally agree with, that I don't think if most Christians, even who enjoy Bible prophecy, understand the processional road, Jesus, the Messiah coming back, ruling and reigning from Jerusalem. In the millennium. In the millennium. In the millennium. After, the, after Armageddon. And you look at that and go, we're going to be on that road. I mean, you start looking at, you're talking about a, a second temple artifact, the only one that's been found. I could tell you one more. Mordecai Kadar in that video from Avi Avalo at Pulse of Israel also says, oh yeah, they go over, you know, the Eastern Gate and there's a like a big room behind that Eastern Gate. They want to turn it into another mosque. There's been a lot of controversy yeah. about it. But just to the, if you're looking towards like the Mount of Olives, just to the left of it, there's a pile of logs under a tap, under a tarp. Okay. That was covered in the 2013 Biblical Archaeology Review article. And I don't think it's gotten that much. I don't understand why more pastors aren't talking about this. But they they actually got access to those for a while and they carbon dated, tested it, tested it. Eight logs. Where they had come from was the Al-Aqsa Mosque had been damaged in an earthquake. And they took those logs. And so that's why things build up over there in those tells, because when stuff falls down, they just use the material again. So they just put the logs over there like, well, we'll use them when we have a need for them. So somehow the Israeli archaeologists got access to them. And there's an article, I think it's in 2013, 14, 15, in Biblical Archaeological Review, saying seven of the logs were dated. By the way, they're cedars from Lebanon these logs, yeah. and seven of them were dated to about 2,000 years ago, and one was dated to 3,000 years ago. And the conclusion is huh. these were part of the second temple that Herod had renovated and the first temple the first that temple. was built by Solomon. And the first temple and was And they're kept right there. there on the Temple Mount. Yeah. I saw um, a documentary just recently on that, and it's pretty fascinating. John, so... so we're. Yeah, okay, I got go. more. To sh I got more here, right? Okay, but so I want to say it's because Roddy over in Israel, um, who's over there by Herod's the the palace, sure. right? Um, he, 
he's challenging us. I guarantee he's going to watch this. He's going to send me. A, uh, he's going to send me a WhatsApp, even though it's really early in the morning in Israel. He'll watch it sometime after he wakes up, and he's going to see. I see you had Holler on again. I got to talk with your materials. So, yeah. you know, it, was, it was great with him. He, he said he disagreed with us, but then it came down to it. He's just trying to get my attention. But you and I need to go over there together sometime. Right. And we'll see Roddy. So Roddy. We'll, we'll, we'll come see you. And you, we can all walk around the Temple Mount together. We'll, we'll walk over to we'll, that tarp. We'll do the there. Temple Mount. We're going to go under Herod's Palace, which he's got the green light for us to do That's that. That's over near the Sid Tower of David. Tower of David yeah. Museum. So right. this is, you know, you're talking about these things, the processional road, all these different things are found. These, uh, these um, the lumber, the wood from both the Second Temple and the First, first Temple. temple. In Psalm 102, I love this, John, uh, it says this, But you, O Lord, shall endure forever in the remembrance of your name to all generations. You will arise and have mercy on Zion for the time to favor her. Yes, the set time has come, which I believe this has its fulfillment in the millennial kingdom. Uh, Your servants take pleasure in her stones and show favor to her dust or delight in the dirt. And when you, you look at these things, and it's all the time more things are being discovered. But I love that. Favor in the stones, delight in her dirt. And that is what is happening with the archaeology. Nobody's really talking about it. But there was an article recently. I don't remember where I saw it. It was in one of the papers or publications that I review. I have it somewhere. They were looking at Egyptian hieroglyphics, and they found representations. You know how that the tribes all had sort of like a an image of something that related to them. They found like 10 of them in this hieroglyphic that matched up perfectly with the tribes of Israel. Wow. And it would that be dated is, in the period of the captivity that, or the sojourning in Egypt, whatever it was. Yeah, that's cool. And, and so, but that's nobody's cool. talking about this because it, it's not narrative. So look, I don't know how this comes about. I don't know if there's a full temple. We know they just moved a red heifer over to Shiloh, where the tabernacle yeah. stood for almost 400 years, where Samuel heard the voice of God, mm-hmm. where Eli was the high priest, and it still qualifies as a red heifer. And they're and moving just, two more. Did right, and there's, there, I haven't seen that yeah. yet. So the, um, I was busy this weekend. I spoke at this conference. No. <laughs> I, I read it about, about two hours ago. They're moving okay. two, two more over there. The, uh, well, my wife doesn't let me read on my phone when I'm driving the car. I wasn't when driving. She's I, was, in the car, I was sitting I here waiting for you to get here. <laughs> anyway, so there's all this stuff happening, and this is all at the same time. So how do we get rid of this Dome of the Rock? So there is a growing thing, even in the Muslim Arab world, that you know this isn't really where Muhammad was. Now, listen, they'll say, well, we possess it, and therefore under Islamic law, <clears throat> that's what we have to, we still have a right to it. But I keep thinking of like I remember the scuds. Oh yeah, in uh, from Iraq, nineteen ninety one. Oh yeah, Desert Storm, mm-hmm. and there were what, 35, 39 of them landed in Israel. And what I got from people that were in Jerusalem at the time was, yeah, every time one of those gets launched, the Orthodox run to the Western Wall and pray that it'll hit that stuff up top. <laughs> so I was looking. So we know there's this thing, and this is the way my mind works. So I see AI. And I see how it's programming. I see all this thing with drones. Then I see Iran comes out and they release, uh, they announced it in the fall. They had a, they said, we're developing a hypersonic missile, 400 seconds to Jerusalem. 
which happens to be 6.66 minutes huh. when six, you divide six. it. Yeah. Uh, well, 6.66667. See, I can catch some things. So the, um, <laughs> but then they came out and said they had videos of it and they're trying to make it operational. Now, it could be hype. A lot of the Iranian stuff is hype. <clears throat> but then when they announced it, as they were announcing it in Tehran, they had the hypersonic missile there or wherever they were announcing it. And right next to them, they had, I call it the Dome of the Rock bouncy house. It's like a blow up version of the Dome of the Rock. So they <laughs> had the, and so I'm thinking good. like, so maybe AI will do something in the targeting. You know, it will develop, will sort of take, oh, the Dome, that must, they're talking about Jerusalem as a target. So here's a target, here's the missile. We'll there program a target for that in that. Hey, if something's gonna, something has to give there. I had, in fact, I had this conversation this morning. Somebody had come up to me, and they had, they had been to the conference, and they asked me questions. And that was the topic. What about the dome? They brought up the red heifers and other things happening. How is there going to be some kind of temple that's going to be built there? But it is a problem. I, but I don't know that it needs to be a temple. I think there needs to be a place of sacrifice. There has, well, we know there has to be a place of sacrifice. However, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, where he sits in the temple... And demands to be worshipped as That's God. Right. What would that be? Okay, right. So, just but you know that there are some plans out there to reconfigure the Dome of the Rock building. Uh, there's a guy you can go to the TempleMount.org website. And I think it's Holinsky uh, or something slash Holinsky, and he put up a thing like we're going to make each wing, each of the, the eight temple, things at the, at the Dome of the Rock. At the Dome, so of, the the Rock. Dome of the Rock stays there. Yeah, one one will be Judaism and Kabbalah, wow, the mysticism part, Christian, Christian mysticism, Islam and Sufi mysticism, and then there'll be Hindu Buddhism. Well, that'd way. be interesting. And you can you can <laughs> see it on on the I've used it in some of my talks. Now, look, I don't know if that's what's gonna happen. Yeah. That that building there is an abomination. It is the earliest writings of the Quran that probably exist, the calligraphy in outside and inside the building. And in multiple places, it says God is not one who has a son. There's no partner with God. So it's it's to Christians, it's an abomination. So is it going away? Is it going to be reconfigured? I, I don't know exactly what's going to happen. But, you know, there there is a big wing of Judaism that talks about that the temple there should be a house of prayer for all nations. Mm -hmm. And they some of them say all nations, all religions. I, I don't know. I don't know the. Yeah. I know the thing is ha stuff is going to happen. I'm just not sure how. And by the way, so as soon as we say this about the temple, there might be a temple there. Oh, so you guys believe the sacrifices that might be offered there will be salvific and you know sufficient for salvation? And it's like no, 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 no. We're not saying that. We're just saying that the Bible seems to indicate in a number of places, and Jesus Himself says this is important. One other thing of that. There's a lot of lot of talk right now in some of the eschatology groups that the 70th week of Daniel was fulfilled by Jesus at the first coming. Mm -hmm. And I don't I don't believe that. Uh, they say, well, there can't be a gap. But then some say, well, there's a gap for the last three and a half years. The first, And I'm like, listen, the one thing I don't get about that is this is, this is huge if that 70th week is fulfilled. You agree? Oh, I mean, uh, absolutely. Then yeah. why didn't any of the apostles who wrote scripture a couple decades yeah. after that say, hey, you know, this was the fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy. When Jesus himself said, when you see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet. And then, so this preterist type view 
they always say, well, look at what Josephus said. Well, Josephus was a Russian, not a Russian, a uh, Roman propagandist yeah, yes, in the he, way he wrote history. Yes, So he, like he now was, they're elevating yeah. him to scripture. I have big problems yeah. with it. Uh, I do too. Well, you can still be my brother, by the way, and, and have that view. But and, and the other challenge is what about the rest of the prophecies regarding Christ's second coming? You know, you, you can completely skip out any conversation with the rapture. Uh, you just go to the second coming because that's what the prophecies are really regarding. Yeah, what they do is they try to make <clears throat> Revelation written in they, 60 AD or something seven, like that. So that's why like John that. didn't talk to John him. doesn't mention But that. I don't care. Why didn't any of the apostles who wrote in the 50s, Paul, John, James, Peter, why didn't they say, hey, you know, by the way, guys, the Daniel's prophet of the 70 weeks has been completely fulfilled. Yeah. Nobody said that. Well, th there are others, right? Okay, we're getting back to the okay, peace plan. So we're... Um, so, <laughs> Okay, there's a lot of a lot of these guys out there that are all over YouTube right now. Uh, some I know, uh, some I've been friends with and am friends with, and a lot of them, I, most of them, I, I don't don't even know who they are. But people send me their videos. I get asked questions all the time, and it's this SDG meeting, the summit meeting that's coming up here in September, and they're promoting that as the covenant with many. I don't believe it. You know, I, I got, don't I, think it is either. I, I don't. So I think because I, I think the covenant is related to the land of Israel, the people in land of Israel. Yeah. So when you look at Daniel chapter nine, I believe it's very clear. Uh, it's for your people, for your holy city, the seventieth week. I don't see the relation with that. What I what I'm more interested in is what you're talking about with this whole Saudi Arabia thing, and and uh, I, I'm also want to know your take on. Uh, What's his name? Uh, ben Salman. Uh, not, uh, uh, MBS. Yeah, the Crown Prince, yeah, Mohammed bin Salman. You know, he's an interesting guy. He's incredibly wealthy. He has a yacht. He has a house that's maybe, that's worth like a half a billion dollars in France. He has a that's yacht it. that's probably worth a half a billion dollars. He's building that, he is building that city. He's got these big construction projects. They are building Neom, whether you think it's significant or not. It is being built. You can watch the progress. And then he announced this thing called the Mukaba in Riyadh that's like 1,500 meters square, which is kind of an interesting huh. number that's pulled out. And it's a cube. But then when, you, when they do the renderings of it, the inside of it, the three-dimensional part, looks like that Tower of Babel representation. And so, I mean, I know the theories and we'll have some of them in Texas who think Babylon is in Iraq. And, you know, okay, that's fine. It's, I, have a, I have a Babylon and Iraq bucket that I kind of put the evidence in. It's not very full right now, you know. Other things, you know, other people have theory about Saudi Arabia and that they may be the place where this is built. And it may be a worldwide system. We'll see. I mean, I, like I said, I have my different buckets that I put things in. But I'm just saying is, you know, if, if all these people, don't want to be identified or don't like the, to be identified as the false prophet of the World Economic Forum or the theory that King Charles is the Antichrist, then they need to stop acting like it. That would help all of us in the prophecy community. <laughs> yes, it would. Because King Charles, I mean, listen, I know the theory. I saw all that stuff at the yeah. Birmingham Games. And I'm telling you, the imagery there was like weird. And then the imagery oh, yeah. in his coronation then before that, he comes out with this thing called the Terra Carta. And when he's announcing it at one of those COP27 meetings mm -hmm. in Glasgow, where I just was a couple weeks ago, 
he's got this thing and it's the colors of the sustainable development goals and it looks like a crown on his head behind him. And I'm like, why are people using this imagery? Yeah. These are secular, they don't know Bible prophecy. Yeah. They, they poo-poo it and then it's like, then stop acting like it. <laughs> oh, the, the imagery is really amazing. When you go to, you look at Brussels, you look at the building, yeah, the, and you have the, the woman riding the, like, the beast out front, and then the games that you're referring to. Yeah, they you had like at, a Tower of Babel, 70 nations, yeah. a woman riding the beast, and she was using, I mean, it's like they're kind of setting everybody up for the stuff that yeah. we read about in Revelation. It is, it is absolutely intriguing. I will say this, I've been a, um, Babylon is an Iraq person for years, Still not off of that. However, I will say this, Joel Kramer, <laughs> looking at his archaeology on Iraq, has got me, ever since then, probably a year or two ago I've seen it, I've gone, he's, he's made a case without him even saying anything about, he doesn't get into the prophecies regarding uh, Revelation chapter 17 or 18 and that. He's a fat guy. He's a fat guy with archaeology. Fact, and not he fat. has. F-A-C-T, fat guy. <laughs> Not like you or like, me. Like me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's got me thinking differently. Now, you and I have talked a little bit about Neom in, in the past. We still haven't gotten to, through the Saudi peace thing yet, have we? So anyway, so <laughs> Mohammed bin Salman has made this proposal through these channels. There was an article in the Wall Street Journal, June, early June of 2022. I still have the PDF of that version of that publication. It was the Section C on Saturday where they do like sort of geopolitical stuff a lot of times. And it said a Jordanian option for the Middle East. And I'm, and it's like, and there's some people in Israel who are like all over it. They write about it all the time. Now, I don't know how far up the chain that it's made, but you layer on top of that the Abraham Accords, mm -hmm. the things that are going on, and now this crazy political situation that's going on over there. So with the crazy political situation, I need to ask you about that because it's, Really, something you judicial look at the military, reform. judicial reform, and then the questions with the military threats from the north. But then in that, I look at Isaiah chapter twenty-eight. I believe Isaiah chapter twenty-eight is a reference to the same thing as Daniel chapter nine, um, with, the covenant with, death with and the hell. covenant with death and hell. That's the way I, I, I read do it too. Yeah. So with that, you have a time when uh, Jerusalem is led by I think a scornful men is what. I think that's what King James says, scornful men. So it's a, and you look at what's happening in Israel right now, the military questions, and you look at Israel will enter into a covenant. Um, so, I mean, how do you see this playing out? And then I'm going to ask you one more question. Why do prophecy teachers say that Daniel chapter 9 covenant is a covenant of peace? Because it doesn't say in Daniel chapter 9, this covenant of it, peace. The word is uh, gabar, which means like strength. That's and, the confirm. And so when I was sort of trying to unpack that and digging through the meaning of the Hebrew word and everything, I kind of came to the conclusion that maybe it's something that's not so much strengthened or an existing one, but it's something that might be shoved down the throat of uh. the Israelis. I mean, that, if, you know, we you're going to do this. Okay, well, that would fit with... Isaiah 28, because they know it's a they know it's a bad deal. Isaiah 28 is very clear. They know it's a bad deal. They've got scornful men that are leading Jerusalem. These are not good guys right. leading. They know it's a really bad deal. It even says in Isaiah 28, they know it's lies, but they do it to avoid a scourge coming against them. So I think, 
so you know, it's too bad we don't have Bill Salas here to weigh in for half a minute on his theories on Psalm 83. But I do think that we, I, I don't agree that we should ignore Psalm 83. Okay. I don't know that it's a complete war, but there are 10 people groups, 10 nations that are identified in Psalm 83. And those seem to line up with all the ones that they've already brought into or are trying to bring into the Abraham Accords. I personally think it's, I think I said this yesterday on the Q&A panel, or Friday on the Q&A panel, I think it's a trap. I think this is significant. And the other thing that I note is, so like, is this the covenant? Is this going to morph into the covenant? I'm just telling you, when I sit and talk to business people at the media summit that I went to in December, they're talking about, look at the economic benefits that Israel's going to get from this this uh, Abraham Accords, like we were talking 10 billion, then it was 100, now they're talking like in the trillions, and they're going whole hog. And understand that the beast system at the end has what? What do we talk about all the time? The mark of the beast, the mark of the beast technology, and the economic component, and that's what everybody is latching onto with this Abraham Accords. Last week, you've all know Harari in Haaretz. You can find, I think it's online, it's not behind a paywall. He wrote an article, Will We See the Destruction of the Third Temple on This Tishbayoth? Which I think is coming up. It, yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The first two temples were destroyed on Tishbayoth, the ninth of Av. And he says the third temple will go, the first temple, the second temple, and the third temple. And what does he say is the third temple? The Israeli, the booming Israeli economy will be destroyed by this judicial reform on maybe on Tishbayab. But do you understand, uh, here's the false prophet, what we sort of I'd say refer a, to. I'll the, say a false prophet. A false prophet of the World yeah. Economic Forum. And all the stuff that he writes about and talks about, he went to Google, I've mentioned this many times, he went to Google in 2015 and says, I love coming to Silicon Valley because it is here that the religions that will control humanity in the 21st century are being created. And I'm like, what an evil guy. What? Yeah. Then he's doing an interview in Portugal about a month ago, and he says, yeah, you know, maybe AI can finally write the right Bible without any mistakes, like the Bible we have now. Yeah, we, we need, a, we need a, a Bible that is correct. That's right. We and, need, yeah. doesn't have all the myths in it. And he says, yeah, I don't, I don't believe in the myths of the Bible. Then he says, maybe we need to create like a Noah's Ark for the elites of the world. Right. Well, wait a minute. That's, I didn't think you that, believed in the Bible, so yeah. stop using... Stop using our stuff. You convert, you know, so I'm just saying this, there's this crazy swirl of convergence around all of these things. So I think the Abraham Accords are probably pretty significant, especially in light of Psalm 83. So, I mean, there's a lot of disagreement over that. And, uh, you know, comments at hopeforourtimes.org. Um, I, I think oh, they're coming in. I'm yeah. reading, I'm looking at both. I'm looking at YouTube. We've got it's a live on Facebook so, right now. It's um, so anyway. The app. That was part of what I was going to talk about in my talk yesterday because okay. I kept saying to the panel, "I'm going to talk about this," and I didn't talk about it. So why do prophecy teachers so many say it's a covenant of peace when you look at that? Well, I it, think I think they think of it in terms that it will sort of resolve the situation temporarily. Okay, um, but. Anything that divides the land is problematic, and all, all everything that's out there right now is problematic. So I think Netanyahu knows, I mean, there's a lot of security people that say you cannot give up the Jordan Valley. 
there are a lot of people. There's a guy named Mark Langfan, an attorney from uh, New York, who wrote about this probably 2015, 2017, said, you can't give up the high ground in the West Bank because that's our watershed for Israel. That, it's kind of critical that we have water here. <coughs> so I don't, I don't know why people have used the term peace covenant. I just think we should maybe call it a covenant and talk about how it might work out. We don't know yet. Yeah, we do, what we do know is it is a covenant. Um, I like you, I believe it's gonna be confirmed, something on the table, it's gonna be made strong, it's gonna be made to work. Yeah. I, I don't see it as being necessarily a new covenant. I think I pointed out in my talk yesterday <laughs> did. about, yeah. you know, we had the Torah being delivered on Pentecost, and 3,000, he came down from the mountain and 3,000 died, and then on Pentecost, 3,000 were added to the church. And I mentioned that 30 years ago, the 30th anniversary is coming up, September of this year, September 1993, that was the 3,000 people on the lawn of the White House talking about the Oslo Accords. And I, I can't believe that that's totally insignificant. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah. So and also with the covenant, at the, we do know at the midpoint that all hell is broken loose via Antichrist on uh, Israel. Judah is very specific in there. So when you see we this know that, flee, get out yeah, of town. Flee, get out of town. Shabbat, which implies, yeah. I think as I pointed out yesterday, that it's under Jewish control because Shabbat is a big deal in Israel even today, particularly yes, in is. Jerusalem. Oh, is it ever? Um, man, you can't, you get, can't you, get a bus. It's hard to even get a meal. Right. If you don't set up your meals ahead of time, it's hard to find a meal in Jerusalem. That's right. Um, so let's send in your questions, everybody, and uh, we'll, we'll take them for our next few minutes here with John. Van Reicheldurfer says, the covenant with many makes sense. If it's made at the UN, where does that many nations come together? SDGs are satanic. To just brush it off like it's not even a possibility of being... The confirming of the covenant that Daniel speaks about is very arrogant. Well, no, no, no. I, I'm I'm not saying to brush it off because I think these SDGs and twenty and the time frame and the point of my talk too was that is this the season? And I think you can make a biblical case, just like Daniel gave us time markers for the first coming of Christ. Maybe Hosea gave us time markers for the second coming of Christ, and I think you would get like 2,000 years comes up around 2030 to 2032, like that, yeah. 2035. Maybe that's too soon, I don't know. But I'm just saying is there's a lot going on. So I, I think they're incredible. I'm not, I'm not dismissing them out of hand in terms of the unification of the world as a sort of in a, to a global order to fight these things, I think they're incredibly significant. I, yeah. I'm not dismissing them at all. Yeah, and, and I would agree. I think they might be saying I'm arrogant, but because I've dealt with this a few well, times no, lately. I'm not. <laughs> and and it's, it's not about arrogance. It's like when I've, I've been writing on the climate laws and the SDGs for several years. I've been writing them. I was alerting people to them way before way before anybody came to YouTube over the last two months and started talking about it. It was in my very first book. So here's the deal. Yeah. Let's get to, if let's have a conversation about this in December of this year, which will be after that seven year time window, or January 1st of 2024, because then 
uh, the time be, window of that, people who are tying yeah. it to the fall feast and okay. that type of thing. Yeah, that would that would be great. Um, and also with the SDGs, listen, my message at San Marcos was about this, the the Agenda 2030 right, SDGs and the system of the beast. I didn't finish the message, and I didn't get to bring it to the conclusion. Well, did the but, organizer of the conference want to give you more time? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but with that, I believe... It's exceptionally significant in the grand picture of everything. Oh, absolutely. That the climate laws, these SDGs, have the ability to be the conquering element to lock down the entire globe at any moment that they want, especially when you compile it, uh, you, you, you link it up with um, digital, digital anything. So digital S- identity. If you look at the SDGs, there's, there's no doubt about it. But... What I look at is the covenant of Daniel 9 and Isaiah chapter 28 is very specific to Jerusalem. And the Jewish leaders is, and you can't get away from that. And when you have the 70 weeks of Daniel, the first 69 weeks were all about Israel. We have to remember, well, the last week's got to be about Israel and the Jews. So your holy people, your holy city. So when I, and I'm, I don't brush off the SDGs, um, I just don't listen. I mean, you yeah. you can't deny that Guterres comes out, you know, recently, and there's reports about global shocks that are coming and oh, cyber. Pro- I mean, yeah. they have a whole list of site of global shocks, and then they say we need to recommit to have all of this stuff done in the next seven. We have seven years to get all of this done. Yeah, I I listen. If if. Like I've said, if these people don't want all of us prophecy, the people that are doing this don't want us prophecy teachers talking about, then stop acting with using all of our terms, like seven years and yeah. all that stuff. Well, and the thing is, you know, about seven years, you look at it also very, their, their, day, their date is 2030. And that's something I they think. They have their own apocalypse. They, they do. And that's something that we also need to be careful of, is that God's date. You know, they have their date at 2030. I think there's. I mean, it does seem rather strange. Everything is happening at the same time. So, I, I mean, I believe both you and I and many of our friends use these things to say, hey, we're in urgent times. We can see things coming together. God's just, just like you were talking about it in your talk with uh, the prophecies, we can see, hey, things are developing, uh, no doubt about it. And the Bible gives us these different signs, so we will be made aware. But I'm just... You know, I, I have, where I have a problem, John, is that news sometimes is used in this circle to interpret the Bible instead of instead of the other way around. And you, you, the, the red heifer, um, right? It would be one of those things. And I'm not saying the red heifer isn't important, but what I'm saying is you can't be, uh, because there's a red heifer. And now you get to go to Shiloh. It looks like a good chance it's going to be sacrificed soon. Because um, it's getting close to the two-year age. It's, yeah, it's getting close. That it would be done. And we should be alerting people to, hey, these things are all coming together. I've been doing this over 30 years now. It, and listen, this is what I do. 40 years ago, people. you said, oh, they're going to be red heifers that are sacrificed. People have said, there, there haven't yeah. been a red heifer for 2,000 years yeah. or more. Well, there were nine, and the rabbi said that the 10th one will bring the Messiah. Or maybe it's the Messiah that comes. That's yeah. I'm just saying yeah. is that again, it's part of this convergence of everything. So I don't dismiss yeah. 
what's going on at the UN or globally or digital identity or all the stuff with Charlie Victor 019er and that type of thing. <laughs> I just, it, it's a constellation of things that are happening, a convergence. And it, it's hard to talk about it and not uh, refute or uh, calm everybody down on that might have a slightly different view or think it's more important. Yeah. I, and along those lines, I mean, both you and I believe the prophecies are true. And so we alert people. That's what we do. You know, it's, it's um, so it's not discounting, it's, it's trying to put everything in the right package. And I think both of you and I are very committed to helping people realize we need to be prepared. Right. Absolutely. And there were some great talks about putting together for people to be prepared yeah. in the time that's coming, however long we're going to be around here or anything like that, there needs to be a preparation. Yeah. So I know that there are a couple of pastors there talking about that. Scott and I were talking about some of the things that we'll talk about afterwards because we're, we live in this very unique time. And so all of this stuff is in play. I mean, I think it is all significant, but I'm a fat guy. Fact guy. <laughs> F-A-C-T. A fat, fat guy. <laughs> I'm a fat guy. I'm a trial lawyer, and I had to deal with facts. And facts are things, so we have to be careful that we don't, as a young trial lawyer, the tendency is you, you're given a pile of documents and everything to go through, and your reading is like, everything proves my case. And that's not true. It, everything <laughs> does not prove your case. That's a trap. And so I think we need to be careful about that in the prophecy community. Amen. And the, the message is for guys, Billy and Brandon were both, have both developed some programs for this. You know, both, I mean, listen, right. you look at, we all agree on the urgency getting the message out there, but what if you're still here in a couple of years? Wow. I mean, this world is rapidly, uh, it's jumping forward and all the messages were just- There was an article really at the Atlantic tense. Council which is a center-left globalist-type organization. Actually, have, well, I shouldn't say. Anyway, they came out with a big publication last year, How Ukraine Could Feed the World. Now, think about that in the context of what's going on. And Russia just did, Russia just backed out of the grain deal, and maybe they had legitimate reasons for doing that. But then Putin came in, and I'm, I'm going to be very bold here. He gave the middle finger to the world and took out almost all of the grain shipping facilities in Odessa that Ukraine has left. This is going to cause worldwide significant famine. This is black horse type stuff okay. that we're talking about. All right, this is what I just read today. The UN estimated about 735 million people mostly in Africa facing hunger, the numbers rising and what they're equating this in greater numbers to is just that. Exactly. And I mean, and, and it, was a, it was a problem before. I think Bridget Lett has talked a lot about it, um, you know, and other people have talked about it. But now it's not like, it's not theory anymore. It's now. And then you add on top of that severe drought for winter wheat crops in Texas and crops down severe drought across much of the, Midwest, upper Midwest, grain producing regions here in the United States, something's got to give. It's, it China can't yeah. produce their own food. 
No, they China's, have to go looking for someplace. China's got their own problems. I mean, oh. they have economic problems that nobody ever talks about. They've got all kinds of problems. They there. have a demographic problem. <coughs> they now, have a huge I think now problem. they're not going to lose a lot of people overnight. But I'm telling you, within 15 years, if the Lord tarries, China's going to be down hundreds of millions, maybe, in population. Now, people say, oh, it's just not possible. Yeah, They're not is. having kids. That problem in China started 40 years ago. They weren't allowed to have kids. Yeah, the fastest collapse in fertility rate, female fertility rates in human history, it's in the Tehran Times. It's Iran. Wow. Iran's going to act to preserve their legacy. They know they have a short window to do this. Russia's collapsing demographically. They have a Muslim problem. Layered that on top of, well, maybe that's a hook in the jaw to bring Russia down into Israel. Hey, you guys leave us alone on the Islamic part, and we're going to go down. So, I, I see you're getting messages from said. your team here. Oh, oh, yeah. Now I, I know why said. that happens. You kind of yeah. look at the thing. Yeah, I wasn't sure what it said. I had to look it said that Texas way. live stream. Oh, yeah, that's right. Hey, the, the Texas live stream is available and it's going to be completely different from San Marcos. So this is really cool. Well, you know, you're both, and you get both prophecy conferences. Um, it's going to be. You off need the to charts. do it. Listen, I, some things sort of, as you know, I was texting you during Scott Townsend's talk, and Scott's yeah. kind of low key, but I'm like, and Pam and I were talking about this. His talk was so intense. His talk alone is worth getting the live stream. Oh, totally. I, I agree. I mean. Unbelievable. It was. And practical. It was. And what he told me afterwards, he probably told you too, that he, I mean, he's an information guy. He says, I could have updated everything again. And what he had was so updated tech-wise and what's really going on. You just don't hear about it so, so quickly. Yeah. And he's got the brain to be able to figure it out. I did challenge him before the conference. I said, Scott, you got to get things from here. you got to bring them down. He where did a fantastic he, job on that. He did. He, it was it was outstanding. The whole conference he was. He coalesced all the stuff that you we talked about in piecemeal fashion. He coalesced it so well. Yeah, it, it was great. Um, I forgot what else I was going to ask you. Um, so, <laughs> okay, so here, let, let, let me... Um, Ask you this: This from Annette. Am Hamilton. I going to disappear into the floor if we go over time here? No, we've we've, we've already gone over time. Actually, uh, this is uh, Ken. This from Annette Hamilton. Can there be appointed times for the rapture and still be the doctrine of imminence? Love the conference. Agreeing with John about forty-five minute talk times. Praise <laughs> <laughs> uh, <Lord>. uh, LOL. <laughs> so, um, okay, I'm pre-trib. Right. I know you are, and um, and I look. At, I believe doctrine of imminence with the rapture, the and so I do have a. Ch this is where I have a problem because it's usually the pre-trib people that go into the people I you know I run with that say okay the rapture's got to happen on uh, feast what, Rosh Hashanah feast of trumpets, uh, the, the fall feast. Right now, I personally. By the way, I would be okay. Tonight. Oh, I'd be, I, I would too. And it does take away the doctrine of imminence. So I'll just answer this. Here's where, here's my opinion. And so many people are going to get so mad at me here in about 30 seconds. But I, you know, we both have lots of Jewish We're, friends, lots of them, some messianic, some aren't. But the, when I talk with my Jewish friends, I agree with them. The feast days, they're, they're Jewish. And when I look at them, I have a hard time equating it yeah. 
I can I think they're feast of the Lord. Okay, so I think the Lord, the fulfill of the Lord, our Messiah fulfills all the feast days. Okay, I do too. However, when I look at they keep Rosh Hashanah them. and Feast of Trumpets, if was it you that brought up they're going to be in order? That, that I, okay. Yeah, they were fulfilled okay. in order at the and spring. Going they'll be, be fulfilled in the order believe, of the fall. But I believe, including I, Hanukkah, by the way. Including okay, it was you who said including Hanukkah, which I thought was totally cool. I've I've always wondered about Hanukkah because Jesus celebrated it. And right, it's been in my mind, and it's seventy-five so days after the day of Atonement. I, I just love your message. the feast of Hanukkah. Just absolutely loved it, even though you couldn't finish it. That's loved right. it. But when you, I look at the the feast days, I equate them to the second coming of Christ, not the rapture. I look at the. I think the Day of Atonement is the second. You coming. have the Day of Awe. You and brought the ten it up. days of awe leading up to that. Yeah, and you have the From feast trumpets of, to. Day of Atonement yeah. is a ten days. And of you life. have and you, you talked about being very real time. Jesus came the first time. You have Passover, unleavened bread, um, uh, 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 and uh, first fruits, first fruits and, and Pentecost. And Pentecost. Well, in date order on the calendar In date order. Right. So when I look at it, I think, okay, second coming of Christ. I, I agree with that. And a lot of prophecies of the, a lot of the prophecies related to the first coming were compressed and fulfilled in a very rapid, accelerated, yeah. convergent fashion. The pattern, the first coming will be the pattern of the second coming. Okay. So, and we're all premillennial and all this stuff. And we're we, all premillennial. And, you yeah. know, I I don't like this. Uh, I I really don't like the arguments. Like, well, if you don't think it's a pre-trib rapture, then you can stay here and you can live in the wrath. And I just, I, this is okay. a terrible so, thing to say I, to somebody. It, it is, and I, I want to say really this. If you really believe that it's hell on earth, then why are you wishing that on your fellow believers in Jesus Christ? Yeah. Or are you going to be within the millennial yeah. kingdom? And and uh, I look at it, and I think personally that you should be able to have conversations like this. Right. And don't have to yell at each other and get mad at each other. But I, I don't, I hate that. I mean, I, I don't understand that. Um, yeah. Our salvation is based upon who Jesus is and our belief in Him. Not in the timing of the rapture, for example. And uh, this is one of the things I really appreciate about you that we can get along really well. Right. And we, have a, I think we have do. A, have a, we, we, I do too. Especially when you have like they, that meal yesterday, that barbecue. It was really oh, good. Oh, that's the best person yeah. I think I've ever had in my life. I that mean, was really good. So the that's first, a memory seared okay, in my now head. That's a, now, that is a barbecue that's here in California. That's so right. I know right now people in Texas and North Carolina are livid with me just for saying that. But I've had the, them all, for folks. I'm it, just telling you, that brisket was so good yesterday. So the owner, he, he spent time in Texas learning how to cook right. Okay. That's, that's what he did. And he just, in fact, he just returned from Texas again to get even better so at it. So there's good barbecue all so over the place. So there actually is if it's done the Texas style. Because I know there's people from Texas that are going to be really mad at me right now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I've had it in South Carolina. Listen, I, you know, as you could tell, I've not turned down barbecue in my life. It was, I was so happy when I saw it was barbecue yesterday. I was like, oh, oh it was so oh, good. That brisket was outstanding. So, hey, thank you, everybody, for joining us. John, do you have any things you want to close with here? Listen, you know, I, I just really think we're at an incredibly significant time. I mean, I, so I talked. I said, is this the season? I'm not sure, you know, but we can all say the last three years, the world has just completely flipped. Things we never thought would happen in America are happening. They're talking about a coup in Israel. And I think there are people who are concerned. There are people who say it might be a PSYOP. 
I think it's a very serious issue. I'd like to talk to Amir Abivi about it because I saw some posts on Twitter of his today. But we're having a coup in the United States, the country that stood for freedom in the world. They've, they've weaponized the justice system against people, whether you like them or not. Mm -hmm. You ought to be concerned about it because they're coming for him, they're coming for you they are. and me. And, I, and this has all happened in three years. Um, you know, what's the saying? What did you think the end times were going to look yeah. like? And I think, I think we're at that point. Look, my life is pretty normal in a lot of respects, but I also see all of these things and I'm concerned about the dates coming up on the banking system and BRICS and digital currencies and all of these things and artificial intelligence and social credit, it's all converging so quickly. You know, we, as Scott and I talked this morning, we kind of need to set up this like prophecy symposium where we can exchange information, uh, you know, without arguing about, well, I think this is the covenant, I think this is, I think it's fulfillable. We need to Just, talk yeah. about this because this message needs to get shoved out to all of the churches and pastors need to talk about it because pretty soon you're going to have people in your church, pastors, if you're listening to this, they're going to be coming to you saying, what do I do? My bank shut me off yesterday. I can't, how am I going to feed my family? So Brandon and Billy, bless their hearts, they're talking about that. So that's one component of this, the information part. I'm just telling you, we need to, we need to come together more than we ever have before. We do. It's coming. It's coming like a freight train. And this thing is not going to stop. We know it's not going to stop. The Bible is very clear. And I believe, John, that God is going to purify his bride. I think I'm not saying no, I'm not saying we're going through the wrath of the tribulation, period. Everybody, so don't put those words in my mouth. But God, listen, if we're still here in a few more years, we've got to think about what's coming be ready for it and realize that in the purifying process, a joy happens within us. Read First Peter chapter four. Oh, I, yeah. You read First Peter. You you read J, uh, James. You start looking. Read Jude. Yeah. That you and you look at uh, people in China and in Muslim countries and people who have suffered for Christ. What and they are right now. And are right now. And what they experience is a joy that we don't have in the Western world because we're so distracted. You mentioned it. The guys on the beach. Yeah. in the orange jumpsuits in, I think it was uh, uh, Algeria, with ISIS. And uh, they were Coptic Egyptian Christians. And immediately all these people on Facebook were going, oh, well, they're Coptic, you know, and they have this problem with their theology and all this other stuff. And listen, at the time that they were under the most arrest, their only focus was on Jesus Christ. That was what was coming off of their lips. So listen, we need to understand, people repent, people change, and they did. And I know we'll see those guys. I'm confident we'll see those guys in heaven. I am too. They did not love their lives unto death. They would not recant their commitment to Christ. They died with the name of Jesus crossing Amen. their lips. Amen. That's Thank what you. we need to live like. Amen. Thank you so much. Sure. I wish we had four more hours. So <laughs> I don't know how to work it out. I'd have you in here every day if I could. Or at least online, if well, I we'll could. Well, we'll try to do a long, maybe we can just do a long 
struggle yeah. session. It would be I, great. I would we could get Scott. Session. We could get Scott on board. Yeah, we can. We can get everybody. I think everybody would. But quite in Texas too, you know, like okay, you it, folks. okay. I tell you what, we'll set up something for Texas. Okay, we'll see. There's Texas is going to be great. And again, I just encourage you the live streams, both San Marcos and Texas. Texas is still about four and a half weeks away. It's going to be great. And we'll get barbecue there. Guaranteed. That's right. <laughs> God bless you, everybody. Thanks. And, uh, I, oh, I can't remember. Who's who's up tomorrow with me? Uh, tomorrow and Tuesday live. I can't remember. Let's see if I have names that pop up here. Tim Thompson and? And John Prescott from Australia. So we're going to have a great time this week. And uh, Tim Thompson is under all kinds of heat from the governor of California. The governor of California, I think. Is he the one up around Santa Clara? Uh, no, that is uh, Mike McClure. Okay. Tim Thompson is Temecula, and the governor has his sights set on Tim, and it's pretty ugly. But praise God, Tim's bold. Good. <laughs> he presses forward. Tim does not back down from anything. So we're going to have a great time. And then uh, uh, um, John from Australia. So all you friends in Australia and New Zealand, looking forward to you piping in with your questions on Tuesday, too. Okay. See you, everybody. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.